Well, good morning and welcome back to In the Wild. My name is Drew, in case we haven't met. And you may have noticed that we have a friend here with us this morning who you may also not have met. Now, I want to tell you why our friend is here. Because as we've gone through this journey, as we're going through these weeks talking about living in the wild, we're hearing the story of a man named Job whose life felt like a wilderness, who felt like going through the desert. And there's a moment in Job's story when things have gotten as bad as they can be that he cries out to God and says, I wish I was like a donkey. A donkey. Why a donkey? So we thought, how better to ask that question than to bring a donkey in today. (laughs) So, good morning. How you doing? Feeling all right? And we have our our friends with us, Jamie and Jake. Thank you guys for being here this morning and and for bringing the donkey. What is the donkey's name? Uh, This donkey's name is Kenny. (laughs) Kenny. Did you hear that, Kenny? (laughs) Now, there's something about Kenny that I think a lot of us think about when we think of a donkey. Maybe maybe not. (laughs) Maybe not. But I think most of us, right, you hear donkey, you think stubborn, right? Yeah, but just the opposite of this. He may be stubborn, but the more the intelligent the animal is, the more stubborn they are. So tell me, why, why is that? Why would intelligence match up with stubbornness? Well, he, he'll actually sit, he'll, he'll assess the situation. You know, walking in here, he wasn't sure-footed about where he was going, even though this is the second time he's been in here today. But once he's in here, he's calm, he's collected. He, he realizes there's no threat in here. Now, when we go do the next service, it'll be the same struggle because for some reason he may be smart, but he forgets a lot. <laughs> well, that, that's really interesting because, you know, as I was kind of researching for this, I, I discovered that since most of us think of donkeys as stubborn, here's a fun fact for you. The video game character Donkey Kong was named that by his Japanese creator because he was trying to communicate to an English audience that it is a stubborn monkey. And yet... That's what I found, is that donkeys are actually highly intelligent, and it's really self-preservation more than anything else. That if they think a situation is dangerous, then they don't want to go into that position. Rather than just straight up, you know, I I guess I usually kind of assumed they were dumb, and that made them stubborn. They didn't know what was going on. And that's interesting, because when Job says that he wants to be like the donkey, he's not thinking of stubbornness. In fact, throughout the Old Testament, that long first half of the Bible... The picture of the wild donkey is a picture of freedom. And we have a picture here of one of this guy's distant cousins, the wild donkey, or what is also known as the onager. Now you mentioned this earlier as we were talking, um, that the wild donkey is, is different because where this one has been domesticated, they have not been able to domesticate yeah, the, the these, these guys here are more of a social animal. They need a group setting or, or a herd. And it can be different species. It doesn't have to be all donkeys. Where these guys here, only their species. They will kill. Like a donkey like this, if he tried to enter their herd, they, they would kill him. Wow. Well, I know that uh, the kids in East Station are waiting to meet you too. So thank you for being here with us. Thank you for coming through the snow and everything to see us this morning. I'll let you guys head out. But I think that's what's really interesting about what God is doing this morning. Can we say, see you later, Kenny? (laughs) Go ahead, give him a round of applause. He doesn't mind that. 
or he will show us how intelligent he is, and he is not going back out in that snow. (laughs) Guys, thanks for bringing him in. That's really great. This, I think, is what's interesting about the reason that Job brings this up. Because if you remember Job's story, Job is living in a wilderness, right? His business has literally been completely physically destroyed. All of his children are dead. His wife has turned on him to the point that she says his best option is to just curse God and die. His closest friends are sitting around him telling him what is wrong with his life. And his body is so covered in disease and physical sores that he is in pain from sun up to sun down and then again from sun down to sun up. I don't know what wilderness might be in your life. What circumstances are swirling around you that feel like you're going through the desert? You know, it may be a dry or a dusty time in your marriage. You know, a relationship that feels like a desert right now. You know, it may be a dry time in your mental health, dealing with anxiety or fear, worried about the future. You know, it may be a business failure, a personal failure, or tragedy that has struck a loved one. But for all of us, we experience different wildernesses in our lives. And as Job experienced his earlier on in his story, before what we come to today, he cries out to God and says, I wish I was like the wild donkey. Because unlike the donkey that we just met, unlike our friend Kenny, the wild donkey has never been domesticated. And it's used throughout the Bible as a picture, not of stubbornness, but of freedom. And so it's really interesting here in Job's day in the wild, as we've been going through this story, as God has begun to talk to Job, he takes these words right out of Job's mouth. In fact, this onager that you are looking at here, well, the donkey we met, max speed is about 13 miles an hour. This donkey was made to run wild in the wilderness, and it is one of the fastest mammals on earth at up to 43 miles an hour. A donkey. That's the picture that God is giving Job. Here he basically says, God, you remember that? He says, Job, you remember that time you mentioned the donkey? Let's talk about the donkey for a minute. Who set the wild donkey free? Who loosed the bonds of the onager? Whose home I have made the wilderness and the barren land his dwelling? He scorns the tumult of the city. He does not heed the shouts of the driver. The range of the mountains is his pasture, and he searches after every green thing. God's essentially saying, Job, if you want to know what it's like to live free, you're actually not that far off when you bring up the donkey. See, I think what Job had to learn in his day in the wild is something that we can learn too. Today, we have the opportunity to learn how to find freedom in the wilderness instead of freedom from the wilderness. Now, that's a hard truth to kind of swallow because I don't know about you, but when I am in the wilderness... I do not want to stay in the wilderness, right? My mindset says, I need to fix this. I need to repair this. I need to heal this. I need to change this. I need to get back in control of the circumstances around me. I do not want to live in the wilderness. But Job found himself in a place where there was nothing that he could do about his circumstances. And God is teaching him, and I think teaching us through this picture of the wild donkey, that we can find freedom in the wilderness instead of freedom from the wilderness. That that freedom is possible, And as Job has come to this moment in his life, he's asked a lot of questions. 
It's the kinds of questions we ask when something happens to us that we don't understand and we say, why is this happening? Why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to this person that I love? What is the purpose for this? And one of the things that God does here is that he doesn't really give Job the reason. I don't know about you, but I'm often, I'm searching for the answer. Like if somebody could just tell me like how this was going to end up and that it was going to be worth it and something, give me some kind of detail. A lot of what God does is he just asks Job a different series of questions, right? He's essentially saying, until you can answer me about these, you can't question me about those, right? And, And there's a piece of this where God could just say, you know what, Job, I'm God, so mind your own business. But instead, after everything that Job has gone through, he slows down with Job one-on-one to talk this through, to show him these animals that hint at something that God cares about. So as we dig into this today, I want you to remember something that, that Chad brought up a couple of weeks ago. And I thought this was really helpful. He used this idea that instead of filtering our understanding of God through our circumstances, we need to filter our circumstances through the heart of God. Right? That instead of saying... Well, if my circumstances are bad, then how could God be good? Instead, it's to say, if God is good, if he is loving, if he wants what's best for me, if he wants to bring glory to himself, then how does this wilderness I'm in still demonstrate his goodness? Where do I see his love and how is it bringing him glory? That's what will allow us to find freedom in the wilderness, not just freedom from the wilderness. And so if you will, I'd like to suggest that you can be a donkey. And that there are really a few ways coming right out of this text that he's offering for us to understand how being a donkey gives us that kind of freedom. And the first one really comes in that first verse that we read when God says, who set the wild donkey free? Who loosed the bonds of the onager? If that's what this animal is known for, and and even today, Job's life was thousands of years ago, but thousands of years later, this animal still has never been domesticated. It still runs as wild today as it did back then, 43 miles an hour through the desert with not a care in the world. And God says, who do you think did that? Now that matters. That first word, who, that matters. Because it's one thing for us to say, well, I'm sure everything happens for a reason. At least I hope it does, and I'll just try to get through this. But if everything that's happening around us really is random, if there is no God who loves us, then we have nothing to pin that to. My bad circumstances may just be the universe exploding as it expands further and eventually it'll all die out and what happened to me doesn't really matter. But God says there's a who involved here. You're involved here, but so is he. And he cares about you. It matters that God is doing something here. And it says that he sets the wild donkey free. He looses the bonds of the onager. Those two terms, to be set free and to have bonds loosed. Again, every time, almost every time that those are used in the Old Testament, the picture is freedom from bondage. Freedom from slavery. Shackles broken, chains removed, bonds loosed, set free. Now why does that matter? Because if God starts this by saying, who does this? Who creates this kind of freedom? You see, he's telling us something about himself. What does the wild donkey tell us about God? God values freedom. I don't know about you, but I think for a lot of us, it's easy to think of God and not think of freedom. 
You know, depending maybe what you've learned or how you grew up or what you've heard, it's easy to think of God as nothing more than a cosmic rule giver. And like, what business is it of his telling me how to live my life? But when God describes himself, he says, I am the freedom giver. I am the one who breaks bonds. See, what he's telling you, I think he's telling Job through this animal, is that you were made for freedom. You were made for freedom. But he has to kind of shift what Job thinks that freedom means. And, and I think, maybe not for you, but I need to learn this. Because <laughs> a lot of times, I think that freedom means maybe a couple things. On one side, it's the idea that I can do what I want, when I want. Right? There's nothing holding me back. I make my own decisions. I make my own luck. I've got no strings on me. I can do what I want, when I want. I did it my way. That's freedom, right? That's part of what breaks in our relationships and in our marriages. Because if something is happening in a relationship that I don't like, I begin to pin on the other person that they are keeping me from freedom. Right? We go to pursue freedom in other ways around that person. And what feels like freedom ends up putting us in bondage. Or maybe you think about freedom a little bit differently because I think the other side of this is related to not just our actions, but our circumstances. That I think, look, Drew, I know the world is not a perfect place and everything won't work out just how I want, but as long as my circumstances are generally agreeable, then I feel free. Nothing too stressful, nothing too tense, nothing too painful, nothing too sad, right? That is not reality, though, is it? We are constantly facing circumstances that are painful, that are sad, that are stressful, that are full of tension. So how can we be free in the midst of that? Well, I can tell you that what often happens is, because of what we think freedom is, we are actually the ones who begin to pick up the chains. You see, we pursue things that we think will meet our needs that don't meet our needs. And I can tell you, I have known the bondage of addiction and the chains that come with it. The chains of secrecy, the chains of hiding, the chains of embarrassment, the chains of shame. I have known the bondage of anxiety. The chains that come with fearing what the future holds. Fearing what could be found out about the past. Fearing that if people knew who I really was or the mistakes that I've made or the failures that I've had or the failure I'm afraid I might have, those things begin to lock us up. Yet this is what happens, unfortunately, when somebody says, I can't take it anymore. She doesn't treat me the way I deserve to be treated. I want my freedom. And at first, it feels like freedom. It's maybe just, you know, one lunch with a coworker who's not your spouse. And you begin to chase that thing because it feels better. It feels nice. It seems like it's okay. And it seems like this is what I deserve because I deserve to be happy and I deserve to be free. But it's not freedom. The pain, the guilt, the broken relationships with children and friends become chains that drag us down. You know, the donkey that we met this morning was not as free as the donkey that Job is thinking of. But here's a truth about our chains. 
that I think comes from the donkey. That I think God is speaking to you, and I know it's because he has spoken it to me. In fact, as I thought about what I was preparing this week, one of the thoughts that just kept coming to mind, one of those times where you feel like, God just wants you to say this. Tell them that I can set them free as I have set you free. In fact, throughout the entire Bible, this is what God says that God does. He sets the captives free. He breaks bonds. He is the freedom giver. That's why Jesus was here. Throughout his ministry, he continued to talk to people and he always said, I am healing the lame, I am healing the sick, and I am setting the captives free because Jesus is the bond breaker. Jesus looses whatever bonds you have brought into this room today, whatever bonds may have kept you from coming into this room before today, whatever bonds may make you think next week you might not want to come back or not want to talk to that person about that thing, he breaks those chains, he looses those bonds, he is the freedom giver. That's how we can be like the wild donkey. You see, that's what Job was longing for. And we know that longing. You have felt that longing. I know that you have because I've felt it too and I've found it in God through Christ. That's, that's why I'm here. As fun as it is to like hang out with a donkey, that's not really why I'm here. <laughs> why I'm here is because I've found freedom and I can't help but tell other people that there is freedom possible. There is freedom available. And I'm telling you right now, this freedom is about bondage and chains. But the other kind of freedom that God talks about with the wild donkey is that you were made to run free in the wilderness. Because a lot of times our bondage and our chains are things that we have picked up and put on ourselves. But most of the time, our wilderness is something that we had no control over. Usually that thing that feels like the wilderness is something that has happened to you. Or maybe to somebody that you love. Because when God says, here are the guidelines for life, you know, it's like we do for our kids, right? Trust me, if you do things this way, you will enjoy life better. You will be more free. I will give you more responsibility. I will give you more freedom Right? When we live the way that God designed us to live, we experience that kind of freedom. But you look at Job's story, and it says, actually, that he did that. He was known as righteous, faithful to God, and yet he still found himself in a wilderness. Because his wilderness was from his circumstances. Things that he could not change, things that he did not understand, that he wanted to be free from. We think, let me fix this, let me change this, let me repair this, let me try to get control back. Cry out to God, why is this happening? That's where Job was, that's where we often find ourselves, and yet God says we were made to run free in the wilderness. This is how he describes it with the wild donkey. Who set the wild donkey free, who loosed the bonds of the onager, whose home I have made the wilderness, and the barren land his dwelling. He scorns the tumult of the city. He does not heed the shouts of the driver. I love that picture because, again, you see something really interesting here. Just as before, God uses this idea of who, right? That it's God doing this. That continues, but then he also says, I have made. Right? That's critical. Because if the donkey is random chance, then the donkey can do whatever the donkey's going to do, and God has nothing to do with it, and so how does that help me? How does that help me think through my experience? But if God is real, if he is who he says he is, 
If he really did create the donkey, if he really did create the lion that we saw a couple weeks ago, if he really is the one... Did you see the video last week of those, uh, the deer that can like climb the side of a vertical wall? Like if there's a God who put those things together, then he's leaning into Job and saying, Job, if I did that for them, don't you think I can do that for you? Job, that there might be things that you don't understand that I do understand. And even if I explained them, you wouldn't understand them, but you can trust me. Remember what, what Jamie told us about Kenny the donkey. The donkey is intelligent enough to know that if this looks like a dangerous situation, I'm not going there. But if he wins the donkey's trust, then the donkey is willing to follow. In fact, if you, you want to hang around, you can see if this turns out to be true. But he told me that probably by the end of the day, the last service, the last time they walk down to East Station will be the easiest one of all because the donkey will have learned that this is an okay place that Jamie didn't betray him, <laughs> that it's a safe place to be, that he's learned that kind of trust. You know, that's what Job was kind of referring to back when he said, I wish I was like that donkey, because he knew that the donkey lives in the wilderness, but he doesn't have to worry about the wilderness because he's made for the wilderness. He's built for that place. He can handle it. That he trusts the God who created him because that God will also provide for him. And so I love this picture that he scorns the tumult of the city. He has no reason to be there because what does a city mean for a donkey? It means a chain and it means hard labor. Why would I trade freedom and space to run 43 miles an hour, one of the fastest mammals on earth, for the city where I'm going to be chained and forced to do hard labor? And yet sometimes you and I know this, the city sounds a lot safer, doesn't it? And there are places where we are holding ourselves back from the freedom that God would give us because we think it sounds safer than that wilderness out there. Or there are places where we are in the wilderness and we're limiting our freedom because we're longing for the city. Where, yeah, I might be in chains and it might be hard work, but at least somebody would feed me. God is saying, I'll feed you. I'll take care of you in the wilderness. Now, your wilderness may look different than mine. Your wilderness may look different than the person sitting next to you. Now, I bet if we went around this room, the circumstances that feel like a desert, like a dry time, just in this room, would probably have us all weeping before we left today. And I don't say that to be a downer. I just say that because it's real. You know, and as I thought about this, I thought about times in my life where I, I feel like I'm going through a wilderness... And I try to focus in on like who God is and what he's doing. And he teaches me something that, that then I look back and I think, oh, I wish I'd never gone through that, but like I wouldn't want to lose that thing I learned, right? That strength I gained, whatever that was. And you know, one of those for our family that this is one of those things. I'll just own this up front. You may hear this and be like, that's like the worst thing you can think of. No, it's not the worst thing I can think of. <laughs> it's just an experience that we had that feels this way, this kind of dry time. In the past year, our family was house hunting. We had moved out here to be closer to Horizon, but we were still about an hour away, and so we were house hunting to get closer so that I could drive like 15 minutes instead of an hour one way every day. Well, that sounds like a good thing, right? And so we're praying like, Lord, you know, just lead us, give us just the right house and just the right neighborhood. And, and that would be wonderful because we know you want us at Horizon, so like he's going to make it happen, right? And we get found a great deal on a great house like right off the bat. And you know, I remember we pulled into the driveway one night just kind of before we'd closed on the house to just kind of pray. 
and say, God, like if this is the one, then let this thing work out and, and we will just thank you for it. And that house fell through. And what I discovered was that I had a wilderness going on in me that I did not recognize. Because when that house fell through, I found myself praying, why did this happen? Are you mad at me, God? Did I do something wrong? Why are you taking this away from me? What if, what if, what if, what if? I gave in to anxiety, I gave in to fear, and that began to create doubt about who God is. You see, what happened was I was, I was filtering God through my circumstances. Instead of looking at my circumstances through the heart of God. I was begging to get out of the wilderness instead of saying, how can I find freedom, peace, joy in this? And now that sounds like a minor one, and so I tried to shake it off, and I did a lot of praying, and I did a lot of reading, and I talked to some other people, and I felt like in that moment, God really had to rip some things out of my heart and out of my mind that I was thinking about him wrong. And honestly, like, I was kind of embarrassed (laughs) because I stand up here and I teach people, hey, I want you to get to know God better. And it was like, I was thinking things that I would never teach you. I would never say out loud. As soon as I say them out loud, it's like, that's not who God is. I know that. And yet it was creeping in on me. And so in that moment, I was so thankful that it felt like he just ripped that out of me and said, hey, we're not going to think that way. We're not going to pray that way. You're going to trust me. I said, okay, God, you're the boss. Let's do it. And then the, the, the next house came up. And the second house that we found was even better than the first and like everything fell into place so perfectly. And I remember just like, like, Lord, thank you. You know, you taught me this great thing and now you gave me this blessing. And isn't that the way the Lord works? Like he, maybe he wants to teach you, but then it all ends up wonderful, right? Well, actually, I wouldn't tell you that either. <laughs> On the eternal perspective, yeah, it all ends up wonderful. Here, not always, but I thought I learned that thing. I knew what that wilderness looked like and I learned how to trust. And so I was ready for this to be the house that kind of like proved it to me. <laughs> hey, guess which other house fell through? <laughs> okay, so we, then we had a third house. I'm not kidding you. Like, as I tell this story, I'm like, I think it was three, I think four. And that just tells you something about if you lose track of how many houses you literally had under contract and then they fell through, <laughs> there's something weird going on there. Okay. So I think the third house fell through. I think the fourth house is the one that we did finally end up in. But what I discovered in this journey was that by the time we got to the fourth house, I had so released like anything about controlling anything, no matter how you negotiate or what you offer or what kind of things you go back on for, just to realize I am not in charge of anything that really goes on in my life as much as we feel like we are, right? And on the fourth house, I remember praying the day before we were going to close, And just saying, you know what, God, actually, even if this one falls through, would would I stop trusting you after everything I've learned? I really felt a peace in that. That's where the Bible, sometimes you hear people talk about the peace that passes understanding. That's not like a turn off my brain and say, I just have peace. I don't even know why. I really think that's this idea that even if we had all understanding, even if you knew everything that was going to happen to you, you still wouldn't have peace unless you trusted God in that. And that same morning, we got a phone call that the other realtor didn't turn in their paperwork and we're not closing tomorrow. Okay. God, we still trust you. And I can tell you, I honestly believe, we we did end up in that house, but I honestly believe that even if we didn't, there was such a moment of peace there to be able to say, even if this wilderness continues, God, I know you are good. Now, I know your wilderness might be a lot scarier than mine. 
Or maybe you feel like it doesn't measure up to mine or it doesn't measure up to Job's. Let me just tell you, that's not what God's talking about. Whatever that is for you, that is real for you. Whatever that is that is causing you stress, causing you strain, causing you tension, causing you tears, that is real for you and God cares about that. Because I've also had the other side of things where you do begin to imagine how bad can it really get when someone you love is diagnosed with cancer and you're praying for them. You're asking other people to pray for them. Maybe you're not even sure if prayer is really like a thing, but we're going to try anything right now. And they die. Why, God? Have you ever met those people who seem like they've gone through something far worse than you could ever go through, and yet they seem to have more joy than you, more hope, and they say they trust God more than they ever did before? I've heard three stories like that recently, and I'll just share them with you briefly. Because one of them was a gentleman actually here in our, our community at Horizon named Tad. And Tad just recently died of cancer. And when I met Tad, he had already been sick for a while. So the only Tad I ever knew was the Tad who was slowly walking toward his death. And so the first time I met him, kind of knowing that this was going on, I'm thinking, be sensitive, be careful, you know, be kind. You know, maybe if he needs to cry, hey, we can cry. Um, and he walks up to me with like the biggest smile I have ever seen and <laughs> introduces himself. And, and, and I'm thinking, maybe this is a different Tad. <laughs> I, I don't know. But you know what he told me? That this, I, I know there's like a million memories of Tad's life that I didn't share, but this is one that I shared that like I cannot shake it. Because I said to him, I said, Tad, I'm so sorry to hear about what's going on. And he said, you know, I don't know when I'm going to die, but I'm finally going to meet Jesus face to face. I thought, like how, how incredible is that to say, I'm in the midst of the worst wilderness I could imagine, and I know how much it's affecting my family, and yet I know that there is this goodness from God that his promise will be kept to me, and I'm going to meet Jesus, and I wonder what he actually looks like. From all the paintings and things I've seen, I don't know, but I wonder what he, re- I'm going to meet him face to face. That stuck with me. That stuck with me because I was ready to weep, but he was ready to rejoice. And we also had a funeral here just this week at Horizon for a gal named Tracy. And I had met Tracy a couple of times because she had signed up for group studies here at Horizon. And each time she ended up having to back out of the study because her cancer was being too difficult for her. And she just passed away about two weeks ago. And as I was talking to her family... There were absolutely tears. It was absolutely mourning. She was only 53. You know, when you hear her family describe how she would be like the greatest grandma ever. But she never will be. This is a wilderness. And yet, can I just tell you, like, it's my job to encourage people in a time like that. It, it's my, my job to try to help people process that, to try to help people work through that. You know, can I just tell you, in prepping for that, I am sitting quietly and listening to her family tell me about the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God, how her husband told me that when this all started, his faith was challenged and he was in doubt and he was ready to give up. And as she got sicker, 
his faith got stronger because he believed that God loved her and he believed that God loved him and that there must be something that God could do through this that would still be good for them and would bring God glory. As I thought about that with their family, it made me weep because I have a friend back in Illinois and she is counting down her final days right now. And I hear our guest speaker stand on this same stage this morning. Ben Corson was here teaching us, telling us that his brother is counting down his final days right now. And there is weeping that comes with that. It is a wilderness, and yet both of them say, my friend Marilyn, her husband Rich, hearing Ben this morning, say this is difficult, and there have been a lot of tears, but God is good. And Marilyn even said, I am racing to the finish line. And whatever days I have left, I want God to be able to use them to encourage somebody else who might go through the same thing that I'm going through. That is freedom in the wilderness. That is freedom in the wilderness. You know, I think the last thing that God says about the wild donkey ties this together so perfectly. Because he says in verse 8 that the range of the mountains is his pasture and he searches after every green thing. The range of the mountains is his pasture and he searches after every green thing. Here's the reality. We do not have to pretend that the wilderness is good. We do not have to pretend that the wilderness is good. But there are good things in the wilderness. You see, Job didn't think about it when he said it all those pages ago, all the way back in chapter 6 of his journal. He didn't know what he was saying. He said, I want to be free like the donkey, not a care in the world, nobody tying me down. That's what I want to be like, man. I wish I was made for that like the donkey is. And God says, you realize the donkey lives in the desert, right? The reason the donkey has freedom is because God provides green things in the wilderness. God provides good things even in the wilderness that sustain you like he sustained the wild donkey. You see, this is where God becomes so extremely personal. Because he did not have to answer Job at all. He does not have to answer me at all. Right? We sang... Been through the desert on a horse with no name. These wild donkeys, they're out there somewhere, but Job has a name. God has a name. You have a name, and you are not going through the desert nameless. That God could completely ignore Job, say, Job, get over it, but instead he speaks into his heart. He speaks on the most personal level. Job, don't you think that if I can create green things for the donkey to find, I can create green things for you too? The donkey searches after every green thing, and I believe that you and I, you were made to search after every green thing. I don't know what that sounds like to you. I don't know if that sounds too hard. I don't know if that sounds impossible. I don't know if that sounds like a platitude, but that is what I believe, that you were made for this. 
You were made to search after every green thing. And let me tell you, that is why Horizon is here. We're here to help you search, to help you explore, to explore the way that I have, to explore the way that maybe the the person who invited you here today has. Listen, Horizon, we're not here to play church. Honestly, we're not even really here to connect you to Horizon. Horizon is here to help you connect to the God who loves you so personally that he knows your wilderness even better than you do and that he is putting green things in that place to sustain you. Horizon is here to help you connect to that God through the Bible. That's why we look at things like the story of Job that are given to us in this book. And you'll hear us say through a community of growing Christ followers, through other people who may have been through the same wilderness that you have and can help you find those green things. In fact, I got to give you one more kind of like Wild Kratz creature adventures if you got kids or, or maybe like Disney's Planet Earth kind of stuff. These, these facts about this wild donkey, I got to give you one more. Because here's what I learned about this donkey. The reason that it can survive in the desert is because it always knows how to find water and it always knows how to find food. That even when it seems like there's nothing there, it has been built. It has been made for this, to find those things. And so on a day like this, it would just eat the snow. There's, there's water for you. You guys can eat the snow. Just be careful. But get this. When he finds a dry riverbed, when the situation is so bad that there is no water, this donkey has both the wisdom and the ability to dig into the riverbed and fresh water wells up from underneath the ground. And the donkey survives. But not just the donkey. What happens then is that any other cattle in the area, any other wild animals in the area can now drink the water that the donkey dug up and other creatures survive because of the wild donkey. So if you were made to search after every green thing, it may just be that the wilderness you're going through, that part of what a good God is doing is teaching you how to find freedom in the wilderness so that you can share that green thing with someone else. Because God made you to find freedom in the wilderness. That you can find green things. That you can find that water. You know, I think of friends who know what it's like to go through grief and they're in a women's study with other women who are experiencing the same grief and they can say, here is how God was good. Here are the resources I found. Follow my lead. We're going to search for green things. And make no mistake, this is hard. This is hard. The easy part of this is for you to sit there and me to stand here and say, it's possible. But it is hard. But you were made for this. And God says, I want to be with you for this. I am the bondage breaker. I am the green thing maker. You were made to find hope, to be strong, to have your chains broken, to ask for forgiveness, to offer forgiveness. Right? You can be the wild donkey who can scorn the tumult of any city, who can search after any green thing, no matter what wilderness you find yourself going through, because you are free in the wild because you were made for this. Hey, let's pray that way right now. God, I thank you that you are a God who loves freedom and who gives freedom. 
Lord, I know where I need that freedom in my life. I don't know where that might be in this room, but I pray that even today you might show us the green things that you have made in our wilderness, how you want to love us, how you want to guide us and lead us and give us freedom, Lord. We pray those things in your name. Amen. Hey, let me tell you real quick about just a couple of the green things that are going on here at Horizon that you can find. One of those is really, if you have bondage or if you have wilderness that you just wish you had somebody safe to talk to about it, hey, that's what we're here for. And so every week you can stop at the third door on the left, which is the hearth room, and there is somebody there who would love to just get to know you and talk to you. I know sometimes that doesn't feel like it's safe or like it's something you'd want to do, but just know that we are always there and that probably anything you'd share, we've seen it before. We've been it before, and we're happy to talk with you, pray with you, do anything that we can to help. On top of that, one of the ways that we help people search for those green things is through our group studies. And we have a new one coming up for men starting February 10th. That's a Sunday evening, because we knew if we started February 3rd, you would not come because that's the Super Bowl. (laughs) So it starts February 10th, Sunday evening at 8 o'clock, and then the same thing is offered Monday mornings at 6.09. And this is round two of Authentic Manhood. But here's what I want you to know, because I've had a couple guys telling me, oh, round two, then I might as well skip it because I missed round one. Or, oh, round two, I thought it was the same thing. Well, hear this. Great news for everybody. You can come even if you missed round one. You won't be like swimming in the deep trying to figure out what's going on because in a sense they each stand alone. So even if you weren't with us in the fall, please check it out this time around and uh, come be a part of Authentic Manhood. And if you were, then this will be able to build on what you've already heard. So if that's something that's of interest to you, there is more info on the website. You can register on the website and we would love to have you there. I think there's going to be some, uh, some green things that we find there on Sunday nights and Monday mornings. Hey, I want to thank you for being here today. You guys are like my special ones now because you came out in the snow and you braved the elements. So thank you for being here and we will see you back next week for more of In the Wild.